On today's episode of The Dingo Show, brought to you by the Quick Takes Podcast Network, we are joined by Tygo Leary. It's going to be a great listen here. We first start off with some dingo questions, then we move it along into some dissecting of freezing cold takes. That's a funny segment, and then we close it out with the hoops, top scoops of things you hear Little League coaches do slash say. So spinning off of what we normally go through in the hoop scoop, uh, the Dingo Show is going to put a little bit of his own spin on it here, so it should be a good listen. So ready? Buckle up. Here we go. So hello and welcome back in to another episode of the Dingo Show. Um, on today's episode, I'm joined again by Cole from BCT Sports. Hey, and we also have a special guest, hey Cole, we also have a special guest, Tyg O'Leary is with us today, an old friend of mine. Hello, Tyg. Howdy, Dingo. All right. So look, at getting into today's show, I think we're going to keep sort of a similar format in that we have plenty of submitted questions to, to us. And um, Cole, do you want to remind folks again how they can submit questions? Yeah, sure. It's real simple. All you got to go to is quick.takes on Instagram. Go over to DMs and DM us a voice memo. We got a few this week. A highlight of that is Sully in the car. Uh, it should be a good one here. So make sure to send us in your voice memos. Before we get into those questions, here's our opening thoughts. Recently, what we left off last time is we were talking about how the NBA is for sure coming back at the end of July, right? It was a done deal at the time of our last Dingo Show episode. Mm-hmm. Now we're sitting here, and there's a little bit more debate about that. They're saying, is it too early to have sports return? Is it? Can we even bank on it that they are going to return in 2020? Uh, European soccer leagues have come back. La Liga, the Bundesliga, the Premier League, um, they've all come back in the past week or so. But they seem to be doing it differently right they're allowing travel rather than having the players play in these bubble cities that the nhl and the mlb have proposed so really the question is do we have to have sports comes back it seems like you know if they did come back there'd be heavy backlash heavy repercussions if somebody got sick and uh just a big risk it also looks like the players are also having second thoughts the nba in fact has given its players the option to decide to opt out of their proposed orlando bubble city return And these players that do opt out will face no repercussions. So if they choose, you know, for health concerns, social justice concerns, anything really, they won't be docked their full pay. Do you guys think we need to have sports back or do you think, you know, we're jumping the gun a bit here? Well, an important thing to add on there is the NBA players only have to the 25th to notify the league on whether or not they're in or out on the Orlando situation, right? But from that standpoint, I mean, it'd be silly not to have sports back. If you can find a way to get it done, then get it done, right? There's a lot of businesses coming back right now and sports should be no different in trying to find a way to um, appease the masses and having it and having a product out there to show. In the NBA and the NHL, it makes sense because they have to to finish up those seasons. But since the MLB hasn't started their season yet, I I don't think they would be uh, set back compared to the NHL and the NBA if they weren't to 
finish their seasons. I think it's it's a little different when thinking about baseball, but that's great. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. That's a good that's a good 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 first way to lead it off. All right, so with that, I guess Cole, we're gonna jump right into the questions. Hey, Dingo, what are you hearing about hub cities for the NHL? Hmm. Yeah, so what are we hearing about hub cities in the NHL? Well, thankfully, our guest today, Tyg, is the most knowledgeable NHL person I've ever met. So, Tyg, do you want to lead this off, kind of your take or what you've been hearing about the NHL coming back, anything like that? Yeah, so what I've what I've seen from posts on the NHL site and, and their social media pages, it seems that much like the NBA, they're considering hub cities. Um, they haven't said anything yet exactly for what cities they, those would be, but uh, I think it would be one hub city for the Eastern Conference and another for the Western Conference and have, have the playoffs there, including the, the round robins in the, uh, the round robin for the, the number one seed as well. I'm not sure what the plans are uh, in terms of the Stanley Cup final, but uh, it seems like they have a few cities in mind. Like I've heard uh, Vegas is one of the cities they're considering. And I think Pittsburgh too, but uh, not, not exactly sure yet. Uh, yeah, they also mentioned Chicago there too. Yeah, an interesting thing to note about those three cities that you guys have just mentioned there is that here's some insider news that we heard is that a couple of Las Vegas hotels have apparently been told to uh, reserve and block off rooms hmm. for potential sports league returns. So I don't know, kind of interesting there to read about how it seems like Vegas could be definitely one, one of the bubble cities because of this news about how they're being told to block off some rooms. All right. So with that, uh, maybe we'll get into our, our next question here. Hey, so uh, this is Sully in the car. Uh, I'm not sure I gotta tell you I'm in the car because it's a podcast, but uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, what what do you guys think about uh, the Bruins this year? Is there uh, gonna be any rust showing come playoff time, or uh, you think they're gonna be they're gonna be coming out coming out hot? Uh, I would love to hear what you what you guys would say. First time caller, long time listener. All right, this is Sully in the car. But I have a theory. People talk loud when they want to act smart, right? Correct! Thank you for that question, Sully. It sounds like you're a knowledgeable guy. Uh, the Bruins could go either way. They're, they're one of the older teams in the league, so uh, they might have a little rust when they, when they come out of the, the gate, but they also have one of the best coaches in the league, too, in Bruce Cassidy. So I feel that um, he'll be able to light a fire, fire under them and get them going. Um, one thing that kind of grinds my gears about uh, this whole new playoff situation is the fact that uh, the Bruins finished the season with the most points. And because of that, they were awarded the president's trophy. Uh, I believe they had eight more points than the second place team. I might have to fact check that, but um, I don't understand why they would be awarded the president's trophy and then they still have to compete for the number one seed of the league in this new round robin playoff format. To me, it makes more sense to either give them the the president's trophy and the number one seed, or just don't hand out the president's trophy this year uh, since they're having everyone compete for the number one seed. It just it just doesn't make too much sense to me. But yeah, and um, doing some fact checking, Todd, you're right. 
the Lightning were uh, eight points behind the Bruins in second place there. And I do have to agree with you. If if they went this route, which I still don't find as being a Bruins fan as being the best route they could have gone with, but they did go this route. So I think the best solution to the problem is don't even hand out a President's Trophy because it, it's, it doesn't really mean that much anymore. And it, yeah. it's basically saying you you had the best regular season that wasn't even completed, so here's a bit of hardware for you to do nothing with and really show nothing for. But as we know anything about hockey, um, points in regular seasons don't really matter. It's all about having a hot goaltender come in playoff time and having a good first two or three lines there. So it'll be interesting to see. I I think you make a great point about the Bruins having an older roster. It can go one of two ways. Um, It can go very, very poorly if when they come back and try to cram in more games and that's probably going to get harder to start up that locomotive but it can go another way, whereas those guys kind of know what they need to do to get themselves in shape as quickly as possible. So it's two sides of the coin there. Dingo, what's, what side of the coin are you on? Well, look, I think that President's Trophy probably actually meant something because there was a time when the NHL was thinking of not coming back and they were just going to award the Stanley Cup to whoever finished the NHL season with the highest record. But I have a theory. People talk loud when they want to act smart, right? Correct! Hey, Dingo, MLB players say they are intending to file a grievance, claiming they are entitled to an additional billion dollars. What does this mean for the season? Yeah, so this weekend, while Tony Clark was going about saying how he was excited for the MLB players to get back to work, uh, the head lawyer for the MLBPA said that... um, Tony Clark... Yeah, the, the head lawyer for the MLBPA said that as soon as the owners issued a proposed schedule, the players would plan to file a grievance saying that they're owed a billion dollars more in salary. Mm-hmm. Um, so this makes starting the season obviously a lot harder. Uh, it, I mean, really, to me, it looks like whatever the owners do, they'll be getting sued. So, like, if Rob Manfred says the season's over, then he gets sued by the players because they're not getting paid for this year. And then if he proposes a schedule, you know, if he says, let's hear the 60, 50 games we're going to play, uh, then he gets sued for that as well, saying the players are not making enough. So, you know, the, the players are going to litigate no matter what. So if I'm Manfred, I should just man up and set a schedule for returning, right? Put this all on the players, give them the schedule and allow them to deny and sue you if they don't want to play. My side of the story here, Dingo, was that you brought up a good point of the, bill, the, the players are going to file a grievance claim. So the thing that the owners could do to completely mitigate that and also not play the players is just to cancel the season because they already have an agreement with the MLPA in that if a season doesn't occur, they have to issue on pay scale a half a billion dollars throughout the league. So if there comes a point of no return, no return where the owners can't, just, can't make enough money to cover their losses – and this half a, half a billion dollars is more enticing to them, then I think they're going to go that way. But in more recent news, the MLB Owners Association there has come out and said that there's a 60-game plan of prorated salaries for, um, to have the season come back. So if that is true and that is agreed on by the players, then I think that will go ahead. But if that's not agreed on by the players, then I think the owners are just going to shut down negotiations and say, see you in um, – See, see you next year type of thing. And even if they – and just go into um, further discussions. Well, look at this. I mean, either way, there's mo- before this season, the biggest talk about baseball was changing the game, speeding it up, making it more 
I guess, fan friendly is what they like to say. Mm-hmm. And if it's taken them this long to just figure out the, the dollars and cents, I think we might be a long way away from changing the game. All right, so let's jump into the next question. But I have a theory. People talk loud when they want to act smart, right? Correct! A dingo predictions for Tom Brady's stats next year? All right, so uh, good question. Colin Coward on Fox Sports Radio brought up an interesting point. Uh, He said, look, we've seen six Hall of Fame QBs leave to go to a new team late in their career. Namath, Manning, Favre, Warren Moon, Montana, Unitas, and now Brady as the seventh. Uh, Namath, I think Colin said he was a disaster. I think he only had like one snap or something like that for the Rams. Uh, But all the other guys really had great years, great seasons when they transferred teams late in their career. Mm. So Colin Coward said he thinks Brady will be 6-10 and for the record. He'll have 28 touchdowns, 13 picks, and a 64% completion rate, along with a 95.5 passer rating. When you say My six question, and ten, do you mean mean ten and six? Oh, sorry. What did I say? Six. I meant he's going to be ten and six. Yes. All right. So my question is this to you guys: Do you think that that's a good stat line? Is that a successful season for Brady? I mean, based off his other performances that Tom Brady's had, I find that more attributed to his last season more than the season prior to that. I don't think that's a good season for Brady. I think thirteen picks is too many for him. I think a completion rate of sixty-four is down, and touchdowns are is, is down he's down across the board there the only thing that stays somewhat similar there is his passing rating of 95.5 so for Colin Cowherd to say that he's going to have a good time over there and then list off those stats he's still showing an accounting for um, marginal regression right so my whole standpoint is that Tom Brady's going to actually be better way better than he was last year because he has weapons he has an offensive line and he's got a coach that's actually going to curtail an offense around him so with that in mind I think it's more likely that Tom Brady's going to have a revival season. He's going to have a Peyton Manning going over to Denver, just one, one lightning in a bottle season. And then from that point on, you're going to see some massive regressions. But right now, I think he's in tune for 35 touchdowns, four picks, a completion rate of 72%, and a passing rating of well over 100. And I, I think the record, it's tough to say that the Bucks defense is pretty good. But I could easily see them going, getting at least 12 or 13 wins. I think that's a winnable division. You, you, it's a lot of controversy going down there in that division. So I, I think he could be a real X factor there. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I think Colin Coward's picks for the upcoming season are, aren't the best, um, considering, like, like Cole was saying, considering uh, the weapons that are on the offense there with Gronk, Chris Goodwin. Godwin. Godwin. Yeah, the guy who gave Brady his number. Uh, Chris Godwin, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, considering he's got Godwin and uh Gronk on his side, Brady Brady always produces when he has the tools in front of him. So I don't think that's gonna be any different with the chain change of scenery. And considering too that Coward's a, a big Brady fan, I'm sort of surprised that he was more on the uh the lower end for the, the predictions here. Uh, yeah, I agree with both of you guys there, really. I think for this team for the Buccaneers here, I think it's a bust for them if they don't make the at least the conference championship. Um, yeah, I mean, they put all their chips on the table here. And also, if you got Mike Evans, a large, nimble receiver, something that Tom Brady loves and seemingly never has in New England, the only time he's ever had that before that was Randy Moss. Now, I'm not saying Mike Evans is by any means Randy Moss, but I think he can add a different dynamic to 
to something that Brady hasn't had in a while, which is a wide receiver over the height of 6'2", that is nimble and can actually run good routes. And, uh, you know, Brady, as far as – I think he'll be well over 28 TDs last year. These numbers seem too close to James I mean, Winston's. Yeah, if you, well, not even that close, really. If you consider it, I mean, James Winston, he had 35 touchdowns, correct? And he had 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. I think. Okay, so he had 30 touchdowns, well over 4,000 yards. So if, if famous Jameis can do that, I think Tom Brady can be somewhere near that. Yeah, and Dak Prescott, his uh, QBR last year was 100. So hopefully Brady's above 100. All right, so let's get into it. That's the end of the uh, questions that we've had submitted. We're now going to transition over into a new segment called uh, Dingo's Digest. And during this segment, it's a very quick one. Cole is going to read through some bad takes that have been given over the course of the years. So yes. this, is the quick, this is the Quick Takes Network. Mm-hmm. Part of our obligation beyond just delivering quick takes is to call out other bad quick takes. Yes. Freezing cold oh, takes. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we found these in the deep freezer here. This is Sports Illustrated 2014. They came out and said that Steve Kerr would be dumb to choose any other team than the New York Knicks to coach. Now, that is a multi-layered freezing cold take. That is a Calvin Zero of a cold take right there. Why would anyone ever want to go to the Knicks? And why would it ever be a sound decision to go over to the Knicks when James Dolan's the GM? Or the owner. As I say, the GM there, it wasn't much better at that time because it was Phil Jackson who's spending his whole time in Minnesota on his lake house and just collecting a check. That would be beyond dumb for Steve Kerr to go there, even though it could have been seen as a dumpster fire to go to Golden State because Mark Jackson had just been fired there after a year. I, I think he made the right decision. Well, look, I think one thing that they were looking at was him going about going to Golden State is that Golden State, they didn't want a new guy to come in and steal the show. So, Cole, let's get into the next one. Yes. The next one here is by uh, freezing cold take maestro Skip Bayless. This is also in 2014. He tweets... Johnny Football will one day be bigger in the town of Cleveland than his buddy LeBron James ever was. As we know, Johnny, Johnny Football amounted to nothing, and LeBron James amounted to probably the most prominent figure, not just in Cleveland, but probably the whole state of Ohio in their whole existence as a state. I take offense to that. Johnny Football is a Canadian Football League legend. I was, I was going to agree. I was going to say, Cole, it's kind of premature for you to choose a side on this debate already mm-hmm. concerning that both players career careers are still uh are still you know an open book yeah i guess you're right to be fair johnny football <laughs> can come back better than ever and, and make, make an nfl comeback but I don't, I don't see that happening he's only he's only 30 years old i mean i think he's gotten <laughs> too comfortable over in the canadian football league he's become too too much of a star he can't leave his fans like that all right the next freezing cold take here is by Boston native. Not really. I think he's from Needham. His name is Bill Simmons. Gotta say, Josh Jackson makes more sense at the number three spot and has more trade value than Tatum, even if the Celtics can't finish any deal tonight. So I like this take for one reason, or two reasons, I should say. One, he suggests Josh Jackson's a better fit for the Celtics. And two, he thinks that he's a better trade piece, not just as a draft night trade, but also going forward. Now, we all know the, the history on Josh Jackson and that he's become uh, a man of a record. He has spent time uh, in the, in the uh, LA, LA police, police system there for 
various crimes. And Jason Tatum is actually looking for a max deal and is arguably one of the best young talents the NBA has to offer. So freezing cold take there by the homer himself, Bill Simmons. Well, look at this. Also, there's a lot, like just like you were saying, all these have multiple different levels of um, misinformation. Mm. But uh, first of all, no one at the time was really thinking that Josh Jackson would be better than Tatum. I always get nervous whenever I hear, oh, he's a great player, but he just doesn't know how to shoot. That's always <laughs> that's a red flag for you when you're drafting that high yeah. in basketball. And also, too, Bill Simmons, I, he's, I respect him. He's one of my favorites, always will be. But he says that he makes more sense from a trade standpoint, which I don't understand either. Was Danny Ainge really going to trade the first overall pick so that he could get the third overall pick and trade the third overall pick. <laughs> it's not making any sense to me either. So, yeah, well, I, Bill, Bill Simmons has never been known to be a GM, but that that is a multi-layered freezing cold take. I, I'm just upset that the uh, the Celtics didn't go with Fultz at the number one there. I mean, <laughs> he seemed oh, like man. a pretty good hey. fit for uh, the Sixers there. Jason Tatum's accomplished a lot, but one thing Jason Tatum will never be able to accomplish is being the youngest person to ever get a triple-double in NBA history. Marco Fultz has that locked up. All right, before we get down a rabbit hole, let's move into the last segment here. (laughs) All right, and for this last segment here, paying our dues to the quick takes obligations here, as Dingo has said previously, which is wrong, but we just do this for fun here, we're going to be going off the Hoop Scoops recommendations of the Hoops Top Scoops. We're going to be going into our own Hoops Top Scoops for this week. And that is the sounds of Little League Baseball, particularly the sounds that Little League Baseball coaches make. So, Dingo, you can start us off. Okay, so the first sound of Little League Baseball that I'd like to call upon now is the, the look alive guy mm-hmm. sound. <laughs> and how you always hear a head coach somewhere saying, look alive out there. And he may not know much about the game, but he very well knows when somebody is not paying attention. And uh, he's able to yell, look alive, out to them. That's my uh, first pick here. Yeah, he, he knows when, uh, when people aren't, aren't looking alive out there, that's for sure. Uh, thank you for that, Dingo. Going off of that, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to shake off the cobwebs here of Little League Baseball days down at uh, O'Sullivan Field in, in South Weymouth. Actually, it was North Weymouth. I apologize. One thing I always loved of uh, Little League Baseball is when, when you brought food in the dugout. And the coach, he wasn't, he wasn't for the food in the dugout. And he'd say, hey, Timmy, what are you doing with the food in the dugout? Take the food out of the dugout. I told you no food in the dugout. And I, I'm just like, hey, my name's not even Timmy. Yeah, that, that's all I have to say about that. So looking back, you know, Little League Baseball, I'm just upset, upset that I uh, never got drafted to the MLB. So. Yes. I think we all are at some deep, dark, uh, deep level. Um, my first pick is going to be uh, the Little League coach that doesn't know where to put the players in the field or doesn't know the positions until uh, the end of the inning. And so all the kids just start crowding him and he, um, he comes over and says, he just starts yelling out random people in random positions. And then I always feel bad for the kid that he yells that has to put on the catcher stuff because then it just holds up the game for about five minutes because the kid has no idea how to put it on in a timely fashion. And also all the catcher stuff, whoever's playing catcher last inning because there's no consistency between the catcher's position this just put it in like eight different spots all the pieces for the for the stuff and so the kid will go out there and his shoulder pad will be messed up and you know for fact that whoever he's trying to catch a pitch from 
is going to hit nowhere. And so he's just going to have to look like Tim Thomas out there diving left and right, <laughs> trying to stop the ball from getting to the backstop. So that is my number one choice in that the coach does little to no preparation of choosing uh, who goes out there. So he also beyond the catcher's position, he chooses right then and there who wants to be a pitcher for the kid who yells, I want to be pitcher first. So some kid will be like, I want to be pitcher. The kid probably could, couldn't throw from first to second, but he's going to be the pitcher, and you're going to have to go through that for about a 45-minute inning of the kid not even be able to hit home plate. So that's my first pick. Kid who can't hit water if he fell out of a boat. <laughs> All right, well, my second pick is the sunflower seed guy mm. who always has seeds, be it ranch, be it barbecue, be it plain. It's always salted of some variety. Dill. <laughs> But I got him as my second pick. You can't go to any little league field without running into the sunflower seed guy. Mm-hmm. Tiger. That's a good one, Dingo. Brings back some memories of chewing, chewing sunflower seeds in the field. I'd say for my second pick, I'm going to have to go with the coach who, who doesn't know the game too well, but he knows the lingo down pat. So, all right, there's running on second and third. Johnny's up to bat. I'm just, I'm just laying the scene here. The third base coach, and he, he's talking to the players. Come on, Johnny. You got two ducks on the pond there, Johnny. Base hit. Base hit brings in two, Johnny. Come on. Just just get your, get your bat on the ball. Bring in two here, Johnny. Uh, yeah, so that, that's my second pick. What do we got for, for you here, uh, Cole? <laughs> All right. So I'm going to have uh, the men's softball league uh, player and little league coach. So he's convinced himself that he is a great player in softball. And he's going to also be a great little league coach. Now, there's multiple layers to this guy. One, he has a goatee. No other form of facial hair or any hair. He's bald, but he has a goatee, so it's okay. You always see him wearing a baseball hat of no less than eight years old. Um, Beyond that, he always says, you got to step into the box with prominence, but you can't crowd the plate. And so he always leads by example. He always goes up there and says, calls out a random kid to get on the mound and throw him a ball. And then the kid throws him an absolute meatball and it's just a stroke his ego. Cause he's sending that ball into never, never land like a good three, 300 feet. He's sending that ball just like, so if you get in the stance and look like me, you're going to be sending it at 300 feet. Little do we know there's a good 30 years of age difference there. So uh, <laughs> Timmy, Timmy, seven-year-old Timmy's not sending one 300 feet. That's, <laughs> I like that. All right, so for my third pick, before we get into the honorable mentions, my third pick is uh, no child on the team or no child even playing baseball coach. So you're not sure, you're never sure how this guy got involved with coaching this little league team, but he's there to coach and been coaching this team forever. Mm -hmm. So he's also not necessarily loved by the other players or parents, but there's always some little league coach out there who has no business coaching the team because he has no kid or son or daughter who's ever played the sport or who is ever on the team. But for some reason, he ends up coaching a team. It's one of the, uh, the biggest mysteries I think there is out there, Dingo. Thank you for that. I, I think my, my, my third, third take here is, is the coach who, ha- who has a big love for the game, but he struggles remembering – his players' names. So, all right, we got we got Freddie out in left field, but the coach doesn't know his name's Freddie. He's like, "Hey, hey, you, hey, uh, Dave, 
move over. We got we got a we got a, a lefty batter. You want to cover the the left center gap? Move over. And then it takes a a lot of a little youngster in the dugout to come up to the coach and say, uh, "That's not Dave. Uh, that's that's Freddie." Um, so that that was that's my my third pick. I'm sticking with it. One of the hardest things for a little league coach remembering the players' names. Cole. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go into the coach that's way too intense and always goes into win. So within the first practice, he already has lined out who's going to be the rotational outfielders. Those people can't do anything, apparently. So he just always sends them out to the outfielders. There's a kid who's always playing first because he's the only one he's confident that can actually catch a ball. And there's always a a five-man rotation of kids that he knows that probably aren't good pitchers, but he knows who they are. Now, curtailing off of that, this guy is also extremely intense, and his son is on the team, and he'll hash out everything in front of everyone about how much he, is dis- he just doesn't like his son and how, he's, how his son's made him upset. So he makes his son the example in every single situation, and his son always cries every single time, and you just feel bad for him because it's just an ugly scene in the dugout when he strikes out for the third time in the game, and his dad says, it, what, what, what are you not listening? What are you not getting through here? And, and then the kid just breaks down because he doesn't know what to say. Um, that one hit home. My dad was the, my little league coach, so. <laughs> wow, Steve. <laughs> all right, so getting into the honorable mentions here. Um, Cole, do you want me to list all mine and then you can list all yours or Ty can list all his or do you want to go in a circle? You can, you can start off here, Dingo. All right, so. My honorable mention is the practice is canceled guy. Yes. You have no idea why practice was canceled, but he's canceled practice. It's usually not a one-time thing with this guy either. He, he cancels almost every practice. Uh, he's my honorable mention. And my second honorable mention is I'm only here for the after the season party guy. Mm. Who, who um, is doing this as a volunteer thing, but he's also doing it for the cheeseburgers and Coors Lights that he gets after the season with the other parents. Mm, sure. All right. So I'll get into my, um, <laughs> my honorable mentions here. It's the you're wasting all my summer guy. He wanted to buy a 23 foot Boston whaler. His <laughs> wife told him no. And so as a rebuttal to him or his wife saying, no, it's like, I'll absorb all of your time. You now have to coach our son's baseball team. And so this guy is usually a local town official of some sort. He could be a police officer, a firefighter, DPW worker. It doesn't matter. But he was eyeing this 23-foot Boston whaler. He has to, he's going to inflict his whole rage on everyone that held him back from getting that Boston whaler. Second on my list is the guy that always seems, to, the coach that always seems to be late to the game. Um, in my little league <laughs> Uh, experience there was this one coach I had who was always late to the game and on three occasions when we saw driving over to the game he was pulled over by the police three different times for speeding so that was always a funny situation when we'd be passing the same coach on three different occasions being stopped by the same cop at the same spot you would think he's like I just got pulled over for this not last week not two days ago but the day prior in the same spot maybe I should ease off the throttle no, he's still going 10 miles over the speed limit past the same cop. Hey, it shows dedication for him. He wants to get there for his team, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, an honorable mention I got here is, well, it, it's not 
really a, a sound of Little League Baseball. More, it's, it's more of a story here. So uh, in one of my summer leagues, there was a coach. Uh, he had a, a bit of a drug problem. I didn't know about it until after the season and after he was let go. But apparently he was taking the, uh, the checks that were meant for the umpires and he was cashing them himself to uh, support his little drug problem he had there. So uh, halfway through the season, uh, halfway through the season in the summer, we ran out, our team ran out of checks to give to the umpires and we're like, wait, what's going on here? And so my dad was one of the coaches and they started to, him and some of the other coaches, not the top coach, um, they had to start paying out of the pocket for the umpire. And what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's, it was, it was, yeah, it was a good time in, uh, in, in my little league growing up, but, uh, normally yes. that goes the other way. Normally it's like they're trying to pay the umpires off with more money, not rip them off. <laughs> There's nothing like the, nothing like the, uh, the money laundering guy as another yeah. for our list. Yeah. It, it's no wonder we finished the summer. Oh, and 15. So, Oh my goodness. No, I, I, I made that last part up. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, look, this has been another episode of the dingo show doing the new format. And thanks, Tyg, for joining us. Appreciate you coming. Oh, it was a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad to be part of the Dingo Show anytime. All right. And with that, we'll catch you next week. Bye.